7.45 on a Saturday, that means it's time for another wine chat with our friend Jack Farrell from Haskell's. Happy New Year, Jack. Happy New Year to you, Denny. It's a little chilly, but hey, hey. I'm, sure, I'm sure you've got some ideas to warm things up. Well, of course, the topic today would have to be the wine of celebration, champagne. Yes. And you know, it's probably one of the most bastardized names in the entire world. Every wine-producing area of the world produces a sparkling wine. And a lot of them call it champagne, particularly in Australia and the United States. But real champagne has to come from an area a little to the north and east of Paris. In fact, it's a great day trip out of Paris to go up there on the train, visit one or two champagne installations in the town of Rennes. Rennes, of course, has a very noble French history. It is the... uh, Cathedral town, the cathedral there is extraordinarily well known because every French king, with the exception of Napoleon Bonaparte, has been crowned at the cathedral in Rennes. And they say the original reason for doing that, from the first king, who was Clovis in about the ninth century, uh, is that the wine was so good. However, at the time, they called the wine devil wine because it had sparkling, but they didn't know how it got there. They didn't want the bubbles in the bottle. It didn't come around till about the very, very early 1700s that they figured out a way to capture those bubbles in the bottle. And it's an expensive process. It takes three years, and that's why champagne is always going to be fairly expensive. There's two methods. Uh, Method of Champenoise is the one that takes three years. There's other ways of carbonating wines. You can just inject CO2, which a lot of people do. When you buy a real cheap sparkling wine, generally that's what you're getting. They've injected CO2 into it, and they make it just kind of like Coca-Cola. But real champagne requires method of champenoise, and that's the method of making champagne. And as I said, it's a long process. It takes about three years and then the wine is ready to drink. And there's a good reason it's such a wonderful celebratory drink, not just for bringing in the new year, but for births, weddings, promotions, even the launching of ships Champagne is involved with. And it's been a wine of celebration ever since uh, King Louis XIV declared it his favorite wine in the entire world. Uh, Real Champagne is made from Chardonnay, Pinot Noir, and Pinot Mugneret grapes. Uh, primarily Pinot Noir. Uh, the only champagnes that are 100% made from uh, Chardonnay are ones that are called Blanc de Blanc, or white from white. And, you know, years ago, the wine would undergo a secondary fermentation with the warmth of spring creeping into the cellar. And it took a, uh, in fact, it's a myth, but it's a charming myth, Dom Perignon to figure out how to seal up that glass and get, keep the champagne in the bottle. That Champagne area was the first area in the entire world to ship wine in bottles. Most of the wineries uh, around the world at the time in the 1700s, and on, on actually until after World War uh, I, uh, shipped in barrels. And uh, But Champagne was always bottled and shipped that way, and fortunes were made. There's a Champagne called Vouv Clicquot, and she was a pioneer woman. In 1800, she invented the riddling rack. A riddling rack is what they put the champagne in as it ferments, and they turn it a quarter turn every week. 
And what that does is eventually the bottle is upside down and all the sediment is down near the cork. And they put that through a brine breath, brine bath to freeze it. And when it's frozen, they open it up, out pops the sediment. They put a little dosage in, which determines the sweetness of the wine. Uh, Champagne Brut is the driest one. Extra dry is the next sweetest, and sec is the sweetest. So when you're buying an extra dry champagne, you're not buying a dry champagne. You're buying a softer, sweeter champagne. When you're buying champagne, or for that matter, almost any sparkling wine, look for the words brute on the bottle. That's the driest, and that's what you want. Anyhow, the widow Clico uh, invented the riddling rack, which I just mentioned, and built up a, a small empire when women weren't expected to be in business, and she did a fine job of it. But there are a lot of wonderful names in Champagne. Krug, Pomeray, Bollinger, Moet and Chandon, uh, Les Misenelles, uh Nicolas Feute, and of course the greatest wines that people know anyway. Every wine has what they call a grand mark. Moet and Chandon's happens to be Dom Perignon. And Dom Perignon is considered one of the very best of all the champagnes. And it is indeed very good. And as we've talked when we talked about rosés, the most expensive champagnes are like Dom Perignon Rosé or Louis Roder Crystal uh, Rosé. Cristal is a champagne that's made in a clear glass bottle. And the Roderer is the company that makes it. And the reason it was, it was a tradition that the Tsar of Russia, bought, they liked a lot of champagne in Russia at the royal court. And the Tsar was always worried about being poisoned so he insisted that uh, the wine be bottled in Baccarat Crystal, which is kind of expensive. They don't do that anymore. But it is packed, uh, bottled in a clear glass bottle. And Cristal is very, very expensive. And we can thank the Russian Tsar for it coming in a clear glass bottle. Uh, vintage champagne is fairly rare. Most non-vintage champagnes, you know, the houses in champagnes are very proud of how their champagnes taste. And what they do is they strive to get a uniform taste, almost like Heinz ketchup. In other words, if you drank Moet and Chandon at your wedding 20 years ago, and today you're going out to buy another bottle of Moet and Chandon, you really want that to taste the same way you remember it from 20 years ago. And so do the champagne houses. So they strive for that. The best way to do it is with non-vintage wines. They blend the years and years, different years, etc., to get that uniform taste. So that when you're remembering Moet from your wedding or from a promotion or something, and you have it again, it's going to taste exactly like it did then. Uh, a lot of hiccups in the champagne business to bring them to today, where they sell over 260 million bottles of champagne are consumed annually throughout the globe, and it's the wine of celebration, not just here, but everywhere, and uh, about 40% of the champagne production is consumed the week between Christmas and New Year's, and an awful lot of it is consumed, of course, New Year's Eve. Uh, As I said, it's the wine of celebration. Uh, There's a wonderful story, my first trip to champagne, I met a woman who had a wonderful affair with George Patton and she all she could do after a few glasses of champagne 
was talk about what a wonderful man he was. And, you know, Champagne has inspired people forever. Uh, Voltaire said, the bubbles, how they sparkle and dance. They reflect the brilliant soul of France. And the old columnist Art Buchwald said, Champagne tastes like my foot feels when it's been asleep. And champagne, frankly, is like duct tape. It'll fix almost anything. The widow Bollinger again made a wonderful quote. She said, I only drink champagne when I'm happy, and it's a must when I'm sad. Of course, I drink it alone, but with company, it's absolutely obligatory. Other than that, I never touch it unless I'm thirsty. (laughs) Betty Davis said, there comes a time in a woman's life when the only thing that helps is a glass of champagne. And Dorothy Parker said, I don't think anybody's ever had enough champagne. And, of course, this wonderful quote attributed to Winston Churchill, also to Napoleon, who said about champagne, in victory, I deserve it. In defeat, I need it. And Coco Chanel said, I drink it when I'm in love, and I drink it when I'm not in love. Mark Twain said, too much of anything is bad but too much champagne is just right. And Marlena Dietrich said, champagne makes every day a holiday. And anyhow, so a lot of people have raved about champagne, and it's really the Renemois, in my opinion, or the apex of sparkling wines. There's some lovely, great sparkling wines from all over the world. As I said, they make sparkling wines in every major wine-producing place there is. But there's something very, very special about real champagne. Uh, You know, that's the reason there's so many wonderful toasts to it. It's the reason that uh, it's the wine of celebration, because it's just joyous to drink and to enjoy. And so whether you're interested in just having a sip or you're interested in trying a whole bottle, why not make this the year you try real champagne? And that doesn't discount the wonderful other wines, the Proseccos uh, from Italy, the Cavas from Spain, sparkling wines from California. In fact, the interesting story, U.S. and uh, Australia are the only two countries that make champagne. Most of the other countries have signed up to the Paris Accord of 1911, which gave the French the right to the word champagne. Anyhow, so whether you're drinking Cava, or you're drinking just a Cremant from somewhere in France, why not try maybe this year a real champagne? Fantastic. It's kind of hard to believe this year. Is, is, did it go quickly for you too, Jack? My gosh. Yeah. Yes, it did. I mean, I can't believe it. I think it was just last year we were talking about champagne, and here we are <laughs> chatting about it again. You can never talk about it too much, for That's sure. That's right. I understand that I missed you last Saturday. Uh, oh, yes. At the Nutcracker. At the Nutcracker, yes, because... We both had grandchildren. Uh, that's that. right, yes. Uh, my granddaughter Carly was the uh, s- snow queen, the queen of the snows. Yeah, there. My uh, granddaughter, Lovey, didn't have any major role, but she had six, five different roles that she played. Wow. Different things. In, uh, in the, she had, I think, Three or four costume changes. Oh those those <laughs> kids, the worker bee. Those people really work out. They, they are really athletes for sure. Magnificent but. production, and 
Uh, you know, it's the pride of Minneapolis, in my opinion. Absolutely. I agree. Well, Jack, I hope you have the happiest of New Year's, and, and I hope we can get together again next Saturday. What do you, you say? Know, I'm going to look forward to it. You people want to stop and ring out the old year and ring in the new, do it at Haskell's. Haskell's has more sparkling wine than anybody else. And believe me, they've got a sparkling wine that you're sure to be able to afford. There's a Haskell's near you where you can save big dollars on any wine and, and your sparkling wines. In Bloomington, Excelsior, Faribault, our Maple Grove Supercellar in downtown Minneapolis, there's free parking today and Sunday. At Ridgedale, Plymouth, St. Paul's Highland Village, Stillwater, White Bear Lake, and Woodbury, too. And if you can't come into Haskell's, go to Haskell's.com or WCCO.com slash wine. It'll take you right to the Haskell's website where you can peruse our holiday catalog, and it has lots of wonderful sparkling wines on sale. Had the chance to say hi to Ted, too, that uh, that afternoon here. Oh, that's uh, about lovey. My granddaughter, that's Ted's that's, daughter. That's his daughter. Yeah, I figured that. Well, all right, Jack, again, Happy New Year, and happy, we'll talk one week from today. Happy New Year to you, Denny, and to all our wonderful listeners. Thanks very much, Jack. Jack Farrell will be back next uh, Saturday here on News Talk 830 WCCO.